you want to delight your your readers or your viewers or your audience. And I think that's that's what unique illustrations allow you to do. Welcome to Dev Educate, a show about how to engage and market to developers without being salesy. I'm your host, Kamran Ayub, and I hope you'll join me on my mission to reduce net developer frustration in the world as I interview experts and leaders in the developer relations space so we can uncover the strategies and tactics that will help you blow away barriers to developer adoption for your product. Hey everyone, welcome to Dev Educate. I'm Kamran Ayub. Today I'm joined by the esteemable, esteemable? David Neal. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome. So I, I I met you once during NDC. You had given an amazing talk that you've given multiple times before on leadership for the reluctant leader, leadership guide for the reluctant leader. And it was fantastic. And I totally identified with it. And it really spoke to me. But one thing that really stood out about your talk was your love of doodling. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So for folks who are hearing you for the first time, do you mind just spending a, a couple minutes sharing a bit about who you are and what you're what you do? Sure. Well, my name is David Neal. I go by Reverent Geek on social media. My website is reverentgeek.com. You can find out more about me there. But I am a software developer. I've been building web applications since the early days of the internet. And over the years, I've gotten more and more involved in the developer community, started speaking at events, and just have a, a really great time helping developers be more awesome. That is a fantastic mission. <laughs> and it, it just shows in everything that you do. Where are you working right now? Yeah, so right now I'm working at Pluralsight, the, the company that does you know a lot of tech training for cloud and developers and all things tech related. Perfect. And I think what's funny is that even though I'm a Pluralsight author, I didn't actually realize that you had been working there until I reached out to you initially because I thought, well, you have, but you have worked at previous companies. Yeah. Oh, I've been in developer relations now for about 10 years. And it's part of that mission of like, I'm wanting to do more to give back to the community and to help developers reach their potential. And uh, yeah, opportunity came up to interview and join Pluralsight. And it just seemed like a, a really good fit, you know, mission wise for me to continue doing the things that I, I love to do in the community and to help folks learn skills in tech. And uh, you get to do this at scale too. And not only because it's not just a like a software company, but Pluralsight is like a educational company. So education runs through everything that they do. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, why don't we start with maybe what inspired you, you know, to start drawing? When did you first start drawing, and sort of what drew you to to doodling? When did you get started with that? Yeah, so the, there were a lot of seeds planted along the way. I did a lot of drawing and stuff when I was a kid, like, you know, <laughs> most of us do, right? We, we get crayons and we, we draw and like to doodle on our papers and, and things like that. And somewhere along the way, we, we, we might fall away from that. And that's what I did somewhere around high school. I just kind of stopped and didn't do it anymore for 
many, many years. But every now and again, I would see something. Maybe it was a illustration that someone had purchased and used as part of their presentation or in their documentation. And I would, you know, I would just kind of light up when I would see those things. In particular, when I started speaking at conferences, I went to a talk, I think it was around 2012, and this person had these cartoon characters in their presentation. Throughout their presentation, I had like, you know, four or five variations and and used them as to, to highlight different personas or, or something like that. And I was so impressed that after their presentation, I went up to them and, and asked them, hey, did you, did you do that? And they said, no, I have a friend who is a comic artist and they commissioned these drawings from them. And, I, and I'm like, well, how much did you pay for that? And he <laughs> told he told me and I'm like, oh, I was really disappointed because I was like, <laughs> man, I I don't think I could. I could justify spending that that kind of money on, you mm-hmm. know, buying buying artwork from someone else. So, but that like that was one of the seeds that was planted. And fast forward to I think it was 20 the end of 2015 or end of 2014 and I by that time I had given probably hundreds of talks on lots of different subjects at different tech events and conferences and things, user groups and meetups. It's just something I I really loved, you know, which is completely surprising. It's a different subject, but, you know, me being an introvert and getting into public speaking, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, topic of discussion. But by, th- by that time, I was had done lots of them. I had gotten better as a speaker, but I was getting kind of burned out, and I felt like I just wasn't having the impact that I wanted to have. And at the beginning of 26, 2015, yeah, I'm getting my years right. In the beginning of 2015, I was trying to figure out, well, what can I do other than just giving up and, you know, maybe taking a year off and or, or whatever? What, what can I do to improve my delivery of the talks that I'm doing so that I can be a better speaker? I can... I can be more motivating. I can mm-hmm. encourage folks and and really create that, I don't know, that that response or that engagement that I was really looking for. I like to say making it stick, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, you know, people would have good comments and and say that I was a good speaker and, you know, I'd hear good feedback, but I, I just didn't feel like I was having the the impact that I wanted to have. So as I was searching... For an answer, I came across a video on YouTube called, the title of it is Show and Tell by Dan Rome, and it's a presentation that he gave at Google on how hand-drawn illustrations, very, very simple lines, arrows, shapes, stick figures, you know, really, really basic stuff that anyone can draw. And I mean, absolutely anyone. Really? You and me? You, <laughs> you, have, you don't need any skill whatsoever. And that's the case he makes okay. in, the, in this 45-minute presentation is that you don't have to be an artist. You can just, you know, doodle on 
on your screen or on your paper or whatever you're using. And he makes the case that those hand-drawn elements can are are so engaging, will really catch people's attention. And his presentation was just absolutely captivating. And I I was so blown away by it that I, I re-watched it probably five times. And I came away really encouraged that, hey, even though I'm not an artist, I haven't picked up a pencil and drawn anything in 20 years. I I can probably draw some stick figures. I can probably draw some some arrows. You know, I, I can do that. So I had a, a presentation, a brand new one that I needed to create for an event that year that was coming up in a couple months. And so I set a goal that I had this, this old iPad and a $5 stylus. And I thought, well, I'm going to download some apps and I'm going to try drawing some, some stuff for this presentation that I'm going to give. And so I, I kind of had a goal in mind of maybe five slides or five illustrations or something like that. But once I got into it, I couldn't stop. I, I just immediately fell in love with this, this, you know, playground of, of being able to <laughs> do anything that came to mind. And so I, I was drawing pretty much nonstop where it felt like it up until I gave that presentation. I remember being in my hotel room the night before I gave that talk the first time, just, I couldn't stop. I just kept finding, you know, different ways I could draw some stuff and, and keep in mind this first talk I gave, the drawings were absolutely awful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> They were not well executed at all, but that ended up being some of the charm of it. You know, that the drawings weren't, weren't great from an artistic standpoint, but they were just kind of hilarious, you know, just how <laughs> bad they were, you know, it looked like I had created some of them in windows paint or something, you know, they were just kind of terrible. When I gave up to give that talk, I knew within the first 10 seconds that it was a game changer, that I could see the reactions on people's faces and their their engagement, the excitement that they had for looking at, at these silly illustrations. And it helped me to be more relaxed and comfortable. I, I, you know, looking back, I, I see all these kinds of, well, it's, it's kind of obvious now, but <laughs> it helped me to tell my story the way that I wanted to. It allowed mm -hmm. me to use the, you know, my own brand of humor. It helped me to be me. And another thing that it did that I didn't realize until, you know, after I'd gotten into the talk is that, you know, when you're in school and you take notes, and you might write down a word or a phrase, and then you go back and study those notes before a test. You can, you look at that word or phrase that you wrote, and you can remember a lot more detail about that, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's a, you know, some kind of magical thing that happens when we're learning is that as we write something down, there's something about that physical act that kind of solidifies that information in our brain. And I found that when I got up to give that talk, 
all those things that I was thinking about when I was drawing each of those slides, I could easily recall and 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 talk about those things in a conversational way. It just completely made me, you know, almost a, you know, supernatural communicator overnight. The feedback that I got from that talk the very first time, there was even a gentleman who ran across the parking lot to to catch me before I left, which was, you know, took me completely off guard. But he can't, he ran up to me and he said, I just wanted you to know that your talk was the best talk that I went to today. And how did you do that? You know, I want to be able to do that too. And, you know, just practically had me in tears over, you know, just how, how it made him feel or how, you know, what kind of impression it made on him. And uh, since then I've had amazing feedback like that. It It's nothing like any of the hundreds of talks that I've given before. It literally changed everything about the way that I present. And I started to use that in every form of communication or anything that I could find an excuse to to put illustrations in since. I you can't see me, but I'm smiling ear to ear because I just love I love this <laughs> like your the background and the story. And there's so much that I was just circling and I'm taking notes myself. And I think it would be fun to dive into a few of these different aspects that you mentioned. I think one of the interesting ones is I was I was just looking at how writing helps improve memory retention because as you said it it does help and one of one of the things that they've found is because it's the act of synthesizing and summarizing the valuable takeaways that's what helps solidify it in your memory but what mm-hmm. they've also found is simply typing out so if you take notes while typing the students who actually used the physical action of writing did better at memory retention than those who typed which i think is pretty yeah. interesting but there's that there's that motor connection with your brain as you as you're writing and so physical writing definitely helps and i think that's pretty pretty fun um, yeah i i think it engages the brain more mm-hmm. when you're writing and and maybe even doodling on your paper more more of your brain is being used it's helping you to focus more whereas you know typing sometimes sometimes can you can do that on autopilot right. if you're if you're good at typing you know you can your mind can wander some you know you do, you don't have to think too much about it but if you're if you're actually writing it down you have to really think a little harder <laughs> yes exactly and doing the doodling for talks I love that you said, there's a few things that you said that really stuck out to me. First, you said it was a game changer. So it it totally transformed both the way that you were giving talks, but how they were received, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. That's like you're sort of uh, operating in what they call your genius zone, right? Like you're able to tell your story and you said it, it helped you, helped you be you, right? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And and you, I also wanted to ask about audience reception. And you said that someone came up and, and said it was a fantastic talk. And you've heard, you've heard that multiple times since then. Like how, yes. how has your like talks evolved and how has the reception evolved as like over time? Yeah. So some of those illustrations and those personal stories and things have, 
have made such a impact on folks and, and the feedback that I've gotten from those has caused me to really transform the way that I go about creating a new talk or, or content for a talk. I want to focus more on creating that those kind of magical moments where I'm sharing something that I've done personally or has affected me personally. And a lot of times that will resonate with someone. So if I'm sharing a story like, like the leadership talk that you, you mm -hmm. said you, you went to, um, I'm sharing as part of that talk, some of my personal, my personal journey. And that's what resonates with, with folks. Storytelling is such a powerful way of connecting with other people. So even in the in the realm of technology, when we're talking about some new framework or product or whatever that can normally be dry and, and boring if you just stick to the facts and and the you know features and that kind of thing. When you connect it with like, hey, this is the problem I was trying to solve and here are you know the challenges that I was facing and here's how this I use this framework or this tool or this technology to overcome that those challenges. That kind of storytelling, as it applies to technology, really resonates with people. It's like, oh yeah, well, I, you know, that's very similar to a problem that we're facing it, you know, in in my job or or whatever. So it's the storytelling aspect has really changed the way that I deliver and, you know, it, it's helped me to be more comfortable with being, you know, a little more human, a little more, you know, sprinkling in some humor or sprinkling in even some difficult conversations, difficult things that, that we go through as part of our journey. So mm -hmm. over the last six years or so, I would say that even my technical talks are getting less and less technical and more and more <laughs> human <laughs> because I, I, I always feel like that is what is really capturing people's attention and, and creating, you know, some kind of encouragement or spark or motivation or any of those kind of things that, that I want people to come away with. Yeah, and higher higher engagement, higher retention of like what you're what you're teaching because the even though they're technical talks when you when you do storytelling and you weave a story around it, you're able to connect on an emotional level with people and they have that reaction to it. And it I've, I think we've said it before in a in a different episode, but uh, people don't remember what you say; they remember how you make them feel, right? So yeah, and the storytelling and the the doodling greatly enhance sort of that, that the feelings that go along with the talk. Yeah. That's a Maya Angelou yes. quote. And yes. I use that in my, I give a talk on public speaking. It's called public speaking without barfing on your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and I use that quote because that's one of the things that it is such a special gift to give someone is that, Th those connections or those aha moments or or anything like that to have someone come up to me a month later or years later and say i remember the talk that you gave and i remember you know some of the things that you said and this is what it, 
this is how it changed my trajectory, or this is, you know, what I ended up doing as a result of the talk that I hear talk. And that is just like, that, that's why I'm here on earth right now. And it's kind of like to have those kind of moments with folks to encourage them or motivate them. So one thing I wanted to dive a little into was how this relates to your day-to-day job. Do do you do talks with storytelling and with doodling on behalf of like your day-to-day job? And how how do you sort of incorporate that yeah. So over the over the years now, I have looked for more and more, as I said before, excuses to to mm-hmm. do illustrations. And I I fell in love with it so much that I've continued doing it in and out out of work. So it's become a hobby and a passion. My s- skills around illustrations and drawing have gotten better, which has allowed me to use them more often. So In the last few roles I've been in, I've been able to use illustrations for social media, for like promoting Mm -hmm. content. I've been able to create illustrations that go into, say, blog posts or videos, YouTube, streaming or whatever. And some of it can be, you know, I've been able to adapt some different styles. So some of it may be the hand-drawn doodle kind of style that I use in a lot of my presentations, but I've also learned how to do more graphic design type stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, that that looks more clean and, and professional. Although I love to surprise people with, you know, hand-drawn, silly looking stuff, you know, because right. I, I, think, I think that's what is part of the magic of of doing this is like, it's so unique and so different when somebody sees it, they're like, Oh, well, you know, this is a, this is a amazing article or post. I'm going to share this with, with other people. I think it's, I mean, it's more human and it's more authentic than, you know, the clean, pure lines of, you know, know, (laughs) graphic design. Actually, it's kind of funny because I had recently seen that Pluralsight had put out, I think, a pretty funny sort of marketing show. It's like an office style TV drama. It's a few episodes. Each episode is probably less than like six or seven minutes. And I, I had I had shared this with a client and I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if we did, you know, something like this? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we can't, there's no way that we could do that because, you know, we don't have the production budget and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. well, the thing is, is that the amateur style stuff, it doesn't matter if it's high production or it's amateur style. It's, <clears throat> it's really the, the sort of authenticity and the connection yeah. for the people because there's so many examples of folks in the DevRel realm who have, you know, done like TikTok videos and things like that. That's just on their phone and it's connected so well with audiences because it's it's coming from a place of authenticity. So yes, right. Pluralsight, Pluralsight has the budget and all the mat- and all the equipment and can partner with a big, you know, firm to do that type of thing. But even there's there's a Krizam on YouTube and and he does like little programming skits. I think it might be a few people. But he does programming skits, but they're, you know, they take place in one location. The camera's probably fixed in one area and they're just really, they're funny. And so I was trying to sort of 
communicate to them that it you know it's not about the budget it's really about you know what it what's the message what's the what the content is what's the point of view and the authenticity that comes with it yeah absolutely and it you know and the, and the same thing applies to il- illustrations and art mm-hmm. and and things like that too is that i i try to make sure that people understand that it doesn't have to be art it doesn't have to be like something you're going to hang in a in an art museum it it can be literally a poorly drawn stick figure and it'll be more <laughs> engaging than that any kind of clip art or stock photos or anything that you might want to be attempted to use in in whatever content that you're creating i mean just just think about xkcd perhaps one day i'll be able to invite randall onto the show to talk about comics and developer <laughs> and right. technical education but i mean I, he, I mean, he draws better than me. My stick figures are not that great, but but that's an entire. He's got two books, bestsellers that are all just full of stick drawings. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back to your question about you know using illustrations at, in my job, mm-hmm. I am so fortunate, so grateful to work in the role that I, I'm at at, at Plural Site because I'm given the freedom and and encouragement to to do a lot of creative things, you know, in, in previous roles, I've found, you know, excuses or found opportunities, made opportunities to use some of my illustrations in the content that I created. And sometimes I would create illustrations for other people on the team just to, you know, they would come to me and say, Hey, can you, can you create something for this content that I'm creating? Or can you create a, a fun image for, social media so we can help promote this. So I've, I found opportunities, but when I joined Pluralsight, my first week on the job, I designed my own sticker, which I've, you know, done a lot <laughs> of on, on my own, you know, mm-hmm. I've created lots of different stickers and t-shirts and things on my own. And then I'm surrounded by creative professionals. So the DevRel team sits in a place of marketing for, a plural site that is the the creative brand team for the company. And so the 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 little film project that you were talking about that's like, you know, fun and and that's all part of the the team that I'm the DevRel is part of. Mm-hmm. We put on an, a private event this past year and I got to be part of the design process to like create t-shirts and to create stickers and swag and even the videos that I'm doing around, you know, some of the video series, I'm, you know, everybody's cool with me creating a bunch of silly illustrations to go in those videos. And I'm doing artwork for other people on my team. And just, I'm (laughs) one, one day someone says, well, I don't want to turn David into a, full-time illustrators like <laughs> hey I, I i'm all for it if yeah. if that's where i'm most valuable i will gladly draw all day long yes well and i i think for the audience i i can sort of hear i can sort of hear the voices in their head the the limiting beliefs that are coming up because i think they're coming up in my head too which is mm-hmm. well i can't i can't draw or you know i feel like i can't draw like how do how do I how would I even start if I am in a DevRel team and I sort of have this 
desire to I would love to do drawing or to to you know make my own original art like where would I even start yeah well one place I would recommend is get go watch that video that I mentioned earlier the show and tell by Dan Rome show and tell is is a book that he wrote for giving extraordinary presentations and so after watching that video I went and bought the book the book has some very practical guidelines on you know how to draw stick figures how to how to make a stick figure look like it's performing action or how to you know just some really basic skills and that was a a, a foundation that I could start building upon to learn to draw my encouragement to folks is that drawing is a skill that you can learn. It's not mm-hmm. some kind of natural born talent right. that, you know, it is, if you learned how to program a computer, you started somewhere at zero and you were terrible at it for a while. Yes. And even if you've been in computers and technology for say 10, 20 years, you should still be learning and evolving, right? So you're, whatever code you're creating today, you might look at code that you wrote six months ago or a year ago and go, wow, what was I thinking? You know, <laughs> why did I do that? Because you should be learning and adding more skill to what you do. And drawing is much the same way. There's some fundamentals that you can learn from other people or watching YouTube videos and, and things like that. But from that point forward, it's it's practice that is going to get you to the point where you're you're not only, you know, being able to execute well on on creating illustrations, but but in, <laughs> you really enjoy it and and feel like you can have more confidence that you can pretty much tackle whatever project you want to. Now I use my my engineering background <laughs> and to and applied that to learning how to draw. Mm-hmm. So when you look at somebody's application, like how it behaves, how it works, you can kind of imagine in your mind based on the skills that you have today, like if I were to recreate that app using my tools of choice, you know, say HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, maybe you're you're big on using React or Vue or something like that. It's like, how would I how would I do that in my tool set that I have? And you start to deconstruct the, you know, how it behaves and, and how it works. And you think, well, I could I could write this, I could create this software, I could, you know, you know, come up with a a, a way of simulating that. Well, I've applied that same kind of mindset to artwork or illustrations. I look at something that someone else has created and think, well, I may not be able to do everything that this person can do, but given the skills that I have right now, how could I decompile <laughs> what they've created mm-hmm. and and using the, you know, the building blocks of of different things, how could I recreate that? And that has, so for the most part, I am completely self-taught when it comes to creating illustrations because I have 
you know, kind of made it a point to, yeah, I've, I've mimicked some, some folks over time. I've seen something that someone else has created created and think, oh, I would like to do something similar to that. But I've, I've kind of like, I'm going to figure this out on my own and figure out how to, how to make that work. And that becomes another tool in, in the tool belt. Yes. And, and to add to that too, to sort of add some inspiration to this is if, if you even feel like you maybe like me, cause I feel this way, like a hand drawing isn't so great, but you know, I've used Photoshop and illustrator for such a long time that maybe I could learn how to do more digital artwork. And then that could lead to some of the really cool things that we can do on the web with HTML and CSS and animation, where you could create illustrated SVGs that you animate as part of your talks or as part of your documentation or as part of your webinars and and anywhere else that you're making developer content. There's a lot of really cool examples I've seen lately that marry data visualization with developer education. So you could call them visual essays is sort of what I think the name that we've been calling them. And uh, there's some good examples on, there's one called the CSS Cascade. I think that's by Amelia. She's a data visualization at, at GitHub, but it's teaching you the CSS Cascade. And then on the side, there's a a canoeer on like a waterfall. And as you scroll down the page, the canoeer sort of follows the waterfall and it's all animated with CSS and it's just a really clever, sort of delightful way to mm-hmm. experience. It's a, a learning experience for for the for the reader. But there's so many, so many ways that this could go, even not even just hand-drawn artwork, but digital artwork and and taking your hand-drawn artwork if you are using it on like a tablet or an iPad and using that to create vector art and and stuff like that. Do you yeah. do you have tools or like a workflow that you do to to do things like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, something you said there, delight. Yeah, that is like the the perfect description of what you want to accomplish. You mm-hmm. you want to delight your your readers or your viewers or your audience, and I think that's that's what unique illustrations allow you to do. Also, before I forget, I want to encourage folks that it is okay to trace. So something that I did for that I still do is. You know, if there's an idea of something I want to create, I will find a reference for that. I'll find an object, you know, I'll search Google for an, for an image and I might use, I might trace that as a starting point for the illustration that I want to create. And for a long time, I was, I felt kind of ashamed that I was doing all this tracing and I felt like, well, if I was a real artist, I wouldn't be doing this, you know, I'd be creating this all on my, on my own. And there is, there's absolutely no shame in tracing. And that's the beauty of using digital. If you're using a a tablet or, or something like that, or using your computer, you can import those images and then create a a layer on top of that image where you can trace. And it makes it so easy to, to get, started and to learn to build your your drawing skills. The process that I go through so much these days is 
kind of follows that pattern. I use an iPad. I use most of the time I use an app called Procreate, hmm. which is a fairly, there's a lot to learn, but it's one of the most popular apps available. There's a, an app that I use for years and years that is a bit simpler to, to pick up. It's called Sketches Pro by Taya Sui. Both of those are fantastic apps. You you will find more content on YouTube and other places for Procreate because it's it's a more popular app. So that is my tool of choice for doing hand-drawn stuff. So I will take, like I said, references or other photos or whatever it is, and I'll import that into Procreate. I'll trace or I'll put it in the corner so that I can look at it while I'm drawing whatever it is that I want to draw. And then if I'm going to create any kind of graphic design stuff, if it's like, you know, that really clean kind of design stuff where it doesn't look hand-drawn, then I will take the sketches that I create in Procreate and then I'll move over to an app called Affinity Designer. And that's available on the iPad and on Macs and Windows operating systems. And it has all the vector tools like you might find in Adobe Illustrator, mm. but it's a much more economical. <laughs> it's it's a one-time purchase, purchase versus Adobe. You have to buy a pretty expensive subscription to get yes. any of those tools. And do, so I do have an iPad, but I don't have a stylus. Is that something that I would want to get to, to try doing that? Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend you at least get a a basic stylus. The the Apple Pencil for the iPad is absolutely worth it if you're <laughs> okay. going to to do it do a lot of illustrations because it is so much more accurate. It's like drawing on on real paper from the aspect of like what you there's pressure sensitivity, there's, you know, speed it also does a much better job of rejecting your palm so that's that's always going to be an issue with any kind of tablet is type situation whether it be on iPad or say a Windows surface style or Android Android tablet is if you're resting your your hand on the screen which is what you want to do you know you want to be able to do that because that makes the drawing Hmm. more more accurate mm -hmm. a lot of so when i first started and I, and I had that five dollar stylus working on my ipad i would be drawing for a long time and then I'd, I'd take my hand away and realize that the side of my hand just created all these marks on hmm. the on the screen or yeah. on the <laughs> you know on the drawing that i didn't intend for it to, to happen and so it was really frustrating and so i had to learn to draw and to letter without touching the screen, which was unnatural and, you know, kind of frustrating. But when once I upgraded to an iPad with this Apple Pencil, it made drawing so much more natural and, and you know, it's it's makes a huge difference. Well, that's good. Well, I'm going to have to get one of those. And all this stuff, just by the way, I will include in the show notes so anyone who wants to grab all this stuff. You, you don't have to be taking notes like I am. It's all in the show notes. So one thing that I like to share, if possible, and you know, one trend that I've been noticing when talking to people about 
you know, effective developer education and adding flavor and and making it delightful is that it can be hard to measure. But I was wondering if you had any sort of insights or or metrics to share about, you know, if there's like, is there measurable? Have you seen measurable impact by incorporating like the storytelling and drawing in your developer marketing versus not? Or is it is it just really hard to to say? Is it more of like the brand marketing, which is much harder to measure, but you can definitely feel it? Yeah. Well, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of measurements are kind of anecdotal, mm-hmm. you know, being able to really talk to folks and and see what kind of difference, you know, you can you can kind of tell when when things are going better. But when I was, I worked at Okta for a while and I would use illustrations as part of some of the content that I would create. And I would also create illustrations for some of my teammates to, for, for what they were doing. And we found a measure, did find a measurable difference with say in social media engagement. It's like if I were to create a, a nice graphic or even, you know, a hand-drawn illustration or use hand-drawn letters as part of the title for a social media graphic, those, you could demonstrate much higher engagement with that content. So we, we definitely saw, you know, higher click-throughs and all those kind of measurable things mm-hmm. with, with content. And we found that people sharing that content was much higher. There is a video that I created for Okta called the Illustrated Guide to OAuth and OpenID mm, Connect. That even sounds delightful. <laughs> and it took a a subject that was really hard to begin with, you know, to to talk about and to understand. And using hand-drawn illustrations give people the vocabulary and kind of the mapping of 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 terms and and things and and the workflow of how OAuth works all those things into these these fun illustrations and i've had more feedback on that one video and blog post than pretty much anything i've created that's awesome and it it still continues to perform it's it's one of the top videos ever produced on the subject and oh, I, I've had great. people come up to me even, okay. So I was at AWS reInvent just last yeah. or earlier this month. Yep. I had someone from AWS come up to me with, with some of their colleagues and say, did you create a video on our, you know, are you on, you know, one thing led to another is like, yes, I'm the person that created that video, <laughs> you know, cause they recognize me when, you know, I've, my personal brand is my beard, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so they recognized me and they were like geeking out about, you know, you know, it, it felt like, you know, some, a, a fan moment, right? Yes. <laughs> which is, yes. Which is so weird. Someone, <laughs> someone I know, someone I know calls this asymmetric intimacy. It's, and it's a, it's an actual phenomenon that they found with like celebrities and there's an actual technical term for it, but it's it's not very memorable. Asymmetric intimacy is a little bit more memorable, but it is that that feeling that people get to know you just by 
listening to your voice and and mm-hmm. seeing you and they feel like they know you so that you have these moments where people know you but you don't know them <laughs> and right. so they'll they'll come up to you and say oh it feels like I, i've known you forever and you're like but well, i don't i don't know you but that's that's <laughs> awesome that you feel that way but that's that's one of the awesome benefits of of things like podcasts and and talks and um I just love that you're proving my point with the fact that you can create like these delightful like learning experiences that last much longer and have much longer sort of ROI, if you want to call it that, by incorporating a lot of these more elevated sort of experiences inside like uh, yeah, like, so that that I created that video in <laughs> I think 20, 2019. Yeah, and I and I still get so much recognition for that. I think it's gotten over three hundred thousand views. Last time I checked, it's it's been crazy, and it, it does encourage me that hey, I need to continue doing this thing because it is unique and engaging and and pretty special. That's awesome. Well, there was a couple other. There's really one sort of last question about this, which is I'm sure that you that even with this amazing content, you still run into challenges talking to developers and marketing to developers. But how how has this helped like overcome some of those hurdles? Well, I've I've said this over the years that I believe the power of communication whether it's public speaking or the illustrations that I use, being able to to do something that is unique and engaging is kind of like a superpower. It really makes a, a huge difference with being able to impact other folks, especially in, in technology. Cause you know, us software developers, we're, we're kind of a, a weird breed of, of folks, you know, it's hard to, Hard to talk to them, hard to hard to market to, hard to, you know, you got to be authentic. You got to be really speaking the language and understand the the challenges of, of doing that. One personal story, you know, around this is I've used to do a lot of hackathons. And the 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 teams that I was part of would almost win every time the the hackathon events and it wasn't because the teams i was on just happened to be amazing uh, or have incredible ideas there were there were i felt like better ideas or better things that other teams created the the difference was i would be the one giving the presentation at the end of the weekend and i would use my speaking skills and my presentation skills and even use my hand-drawn illustrations to to say here's what we here here is our bigger idea this is how we we went about it here's what we created and and we'd win and i i believe without a doubt that the reason we would win is because of this my speaking and and illustration skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it is a superpower, and I've I've been able to, you know, for for good and not for evil, <laughs> use that in so many different ways, in inside and outside of business contexts to to really have impact on on whatever that situation is. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that one. Silly bonus question is what do you think 
that we're going to be replaced by you know stable diffusion and and things like mid journey that can get all this art for us it's it's almost a boon for someone like me who's like i have this idea for a prompt and it would be great if i could just get it drawn but like what's what's your take on the ai coming for for artists and artwork i think it's really interesting i think it's it can be a a powerful tool Mm -hmm. i think it will become a tool just like anything else for folks who are creative but i think i think there's there's something magical that happens with with when humans create yes we Mm -hmm. we were we're we're kind of hardwired. We're designed at our core. We have creative ability and creative skill, and and we can do things that that are just we'll we'll never be able to mimic. Or well, we can mimic it, but we'll we'll never be able to do. Humans will always be, I believe, ahead of of anything that <laughs> we we create to mm-hmm. to to simulate reality. I think there will always be a uniqueness element to things that humans can create. So it's like, okay, well now we, now computers can do, you know, these things, we can use that as a starting point to create even more incredible things. Right. So I, you know, I'm excited about the future. I'm not worried that (laughs) AI is going to replace anything. It's going to change things for sure. Mm -hmm. Just like, we've we've evolved over the last 100 years there were things we were doing 100 years ago that we no longer do yeah. or no longer rely on we have the the future that we have ahead of us is is something that's going to be amazing there will be something say 20 years from now that we'll believe how did we ever live without this that ha- that no one's even thought of yet and it'll be like part of every everybody's life and that that just that just blows me away and I, I can't wait to see what what those things are yeah the i think it was very recently that seth godin said something like new technology you know always makes old things easier and and, and gets rid of old things but then it makes it so that it, it lifts the bar like we now we, now we can create better we can create better things because of that and it's i mean chat gpt is not going to replace your customer interviews it's not going to replace talking to developers and, and getting out there <laughs> yeah. it's not going to do that and neither is it going to take pen to paper or hand to paper and and it's not going to have that human element but it can be like sort of like a companion or inspiration or brainstorming mm-hmm. partner and and things like that just just as sort of google has has transformed the way that we that we consume content and and find information well thank you so much david for joining me there is the last segment of the podcast which is the drop an apple segment and that's where you get to drop some knowledge on the audience are you ready oh yeah what is one thing you wish someone had told you early on about creating content and education for developers? Uh, well, what I want to leave folks with is a little bit of encouragement that I think I alluded to, to some of this earlier, but one thing I wish I had realized a long time ago is give yourself some grace, give yourself time 
and and have patience. Because if you if you dedicate a little bit of time every day or on some periodic basis, you eventually you'll be able to look back weeks, months, or years later and just be amazed at how far you've come. I, I, this You probably know this already if you really think about it. When you're developing a new skill, you look back and go, wow, it's, I have come a, a long way. You can apply that same principle to any area of your life, I believe. Like if, you know, we may not be able to be, be Michael Jordan when it comes to basketball or, you know, insert whatever big name that is like the best of that. We don't have to be the best, Mm -hmm. but we can, we can get really good at things and really enjoy it and, and really benefit without being the best. And it just takes time, patience, and a little bit of grace for ourselves. That is, that's wonderful. And that's a perfect note to end on. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you're up to? Because I am positive that they are itching to see some of these talks and see what you're up to. (laughs) Yeah. So the best one place would be my website, reverentgeek.com. There's about page an about page on there that folks can go to and find links to, you know, my other social media accounts that, that you can follow or, or try to keep track of me. Uh, got big plans for, for 2023 and I hope folks will follow along my journey. Wonderful. Well, it was an honor to have you here, David. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David. Here are the things I thought were worth pointing out when it comes to developer marketing and education. First, hand-drawn sketches are more human and create a deeper connection. We talked a lot about how things don't need to be perfect. Amateur-style content tends to resonate much more with developers than perfectly produced design. That means counterintuitively that highly produced assets might be working against you when trying to connect with developers, and maybe you should encourage your team to experiment with doodling or hand-drawn art. Your product or tech might be boring, but the way that you tell your story doesn't have to be. Think of the pain your developers are in, then weave a story around how your product solves that pain. Be authentic, use visuals, create conflict, add drama, and will resonate a lot more without being salesy. That's it for this week. I'm Kamran Ayub, and I hope you'll join me again next time for Dev Educate. If you'd like to get tips on removing barriers to adoption when scaling your dev tool, check out my blog at kamranayub.com daily. You can also reach out to me directly with questions or comments through my website or on Twitter at Kamran Ayub. I hope you have a lovely day.